Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the footnotes version of Drinking with Authors. We have with us J.M. Paquette, who was our amazing guest last week. So she wowed us with her literary... PhD in literary awesomeness, which really should be a PhD, but it's not. So, but um, this is the footnotes version. So we're going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions, which are not that rapid fire because we've been drinking for at least an hour. So there's quite a bit of it, but I'm going to let Austin, who's my amazing co-host, I'm Erica Lance, because I didn't say that out loud. Begin. Austin, what is the first question? Okay, so every story is ultimately about something else. What is your story really about? Uh, learning not, learning to overcome your uh, circumstances of your birth. Like the stuff you grew up knowing, learning how some of that stuff is not accurate. Okay, my question is, what is the favorite story you've written? I have to answer that fast? Uh, oh, we, we think you have to answer it fast. You can take all the time you want. It's a podcast. We have literally as much time as we want yeah, to spend. we can edit for time later. Yeah, we can. Make it sound like you came up with something just off the top of your head. Okay, yeah. all right. Honestly, I wrote a short story, and it was about the worst rescue ever, and that was my, my funnest, most fun story about a girl who gets rescued in the middle of a zombie apocalypse by a guy who has no idea what he's doing, and the, the rescue just goes from bad to worse. What is the name of that story? I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I don't remember. I believe the name of that story is Worst Rescue Ever. That's what she <laughs> says at the end because they, sorry, get eaten by zombies. She's going to Google it. I'm going to Google the it. The cool right thing about podcasts is you can Google crap. This is unfolding in real time here, folks. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Googling is happening right now. Is it <laughs> Survivors? No pressure at all, but this rapid fire question is not working out for us. Yeah, so much for the rapid part. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to have another drink. What are you drinking, Austin, as part of this footnotes episode? I'm drinking rum and coke on ice. So for those listeners who care to drink along with us, I am drinking a um, apple cider drink with honey jack put into it. So I'm like being super fancy. It's apple crisp by Angry Orchard. So, I mean, she has all this energy anyway, but it's just a little bit more scattered now. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's nothing like being morally intoxicated. Do you see how I said morally intoxicated? Morally intoxicated? That's interesting. Yes. I think it's... As a opposed to what? Like intellectually intoxicated? Or mentally. Or I, I guess think, mentally I think you would can actually select what kind of intoxication you get, like going into the whole thing. This, this kind of changes What if everything. you could be sexually intoxicated? Oh, man, I think we've all had a few of those. Yes. But, would, you know, what if it's going to be like philosophically intoxicated? Oh, I'm never philosophically intoxicated. That was like an impossibility for me. Someone is always philosophically intoxicated in the group, though, right? No, I think they are, and they're the it's ones like, that pontificate hey man, you ever, you ever in a way that just... It's like, yes, we've all thought about that. Stop. Yes. Like, we don't give a crap about what your philosophical intoxication tells you. Shut that up. Did you come up with a name for it? Well, no. Yeah. Okay, that's Do- fine. Dr. Paquette, perhaps we should move on to other questions. It's your turn. Okay. So let's talk about moods and themes. 
What moods and themes did you really want to maintain throughout this series, and what devices did you employ to achieve that? What mood? Well, I wanted to keep it light and fluffy and fun because I didn't want it to get too heavy. Um, and I wanted to keep all the themes in the background. So if you if you notice them, yay. If not, I don't want to beat you over the head with them. Cool. What is your actual favorite story you've ever read from another author? Okay, I love Stephen King. So my favorite book is The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub because I love Jack. Why? Because it's the, it's the first story um, about a young boy who sort of goes on an adventure and, and grows up. Um, and something about him and his struggles really resonated with me when I read it when I was young. And then I can always go back and reread it. And I'm like, oh, Jack's back. OK, I want to slide the next one in. How much do you reread of stories? Some oh. people just read a book and then they're done. How many times have you reread stories? A lot. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings I read twice a year um, because because I teach, so I need to read it with my students again. Um, but I'll, I would say I've read The Talisman, oh, gosh, how old am I? I don't know, probably <laughs> 30 times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I reread books a lot. Come on, Austin, it's a woman, guess her age. <laughs> no, That's not a dangerous crap or a trap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about research. Uh, when you're doing fantasy, in a way it gives you an out because, you know, it's a magical world, so it doesn't necessarily have to be accurate to anything in particular, but there's always research involved, right? You know, so how long would a sword be? What would it be made of? You know, whatever, stuff like that. So I want to hear a little bit about the kind of research that you had to do and then situations where you felt like there was tension between being accurate to something and moving the story along. I wrote a story about a pirate captain, and I had to learn all about boats, which is not something I know about. And I spent so much time learning about like possible medieval boats, and then I'm like, oh, but there's all these like Chinese boats, and maybe I should do. So then I'd have to learn all about no, no, no. So it it got out of control, and I, eventually I had to just stop and be like, it's a boat. And then I had one of the characters ask a question like, isn't this? A, and he started to say it, and she was like, it's a boat, and we're leaving. Like I'm not I'm not going to answer all of your your sailing questions right now. I'm, you know, this is a Moby Dick. Wow. Okay. So. What is the most annoying thing an author can do that you read it and you're like, what the actual fuck? Not know how to use punctuation. Oh, well, let's talk about the Oxford comma. Oh, well, okay. I have strong feelings about the Oxford comma because it changes your meaning. Sometimes it doesn't matter and it's fine, but when it matters, it really matters and it makes things very there awkward. There's legal precedents now where the Oxford comma is now enshrined in U.S. law. They had to pay those milk truck drivers mm -hmm. all the overtime because they, they did not punctuate appropriately. So um, bad grammar in a book will, will turn me off. Um, before, I used to keep reading because I was like, I'm committed, I'm in. And now I, I don't have patience for it anymore. I just stop reading. Do you so. feel that's an indication of throwing somebody out of the story? So one of my feelings is that the moment you throw somebody out of a story, whether or not it's you change a character's name or you change what color shirt they're using, all the way to what is happening and making it to be something that the character wouldn't like even close to do 
Do you feel that's indicative, like, I know you're talking about punctuation, but indicative of throwing somebody out of the story? It does, and it it just makes me think that, one, the person who's writing it hasn't read a whole lot. So someone who doesn't know where to put, like, quotation marks, you, you don't, haven't read enough books to, like, internalize the, the formatting. So that's an immediate flag. But small things like, like attention to detail, if it's just once, I'll be like, all right, you know, I get it, there's mistakes. But um, consistently over and over again I'm like you just didn't pay attention you just threw some words together and then published it and with the way that I read now like before I would go to the bookstore and I would I would invest I bought a book it was like 8.99 or something like that I'm committed I'm going to read it but now I have Kindle Unlimited like there are literally <laughs> millions of other books I could be reading so if I read the first you know chapter or two and I'm like mm, I'm not in love I'm going to stop and I'm going to read another one because I haven't invested like actual money into that book so I think that has changed my patience for those kinds of errors or things that throw you out. That's kind of a sea change, isn't it? Like for the entire like readership of the world is that the level of investment mm-hmm. is lower now. It's so much easier to say, well, you know, I'm just going to change channels at this point. You know, the, the onus is really on the author, isn't it? To Definitely. Even when I would go to the library and get books out as a child, like I still had made that trip to, I mean, I still go to the library and I still get books out. But I still... I need to do a PSA right now that libraries still exist. They do. So you can utilize them to take books out. Libraries are important, y'all. Libraries are important because I think a lot of younger people do not realize libraries still exist. They're there. Bastions of learning and democracy. And if you... Google it. If you... You will find them. If you were the person who reads in the bathtub, please don't read with your phone because people die that way. (laughs) (laughs) You need a physical book for that. Uh, important safety tip there, folks. This is the most important safety tip you will take from this drunken podcast is do not drop your effing phone in the damn tub. Get a book from the library. It only kills you if it's charging, but still. Okay, so what is a scene or a, a sequence in your story that you are especially proud of? Do you feel like is your set piece? <sighs> There's a moment where Rory discovers that Hannah is a vampire, and it was the very first scene that I wrote, and I worked on it and worked on it, and now I really love it. (laughs) What do you love about it? Yeah, what makes it powerful? Because, you know, normally you would think when someone finds out you're a vampire, they're gonna they're gonna be horrified because he's supposed to be this like good paladin, but he's not. You say normally like this is something. This is you know on Tuesday when I found out that vampires the normal reaction. No, whenever you read the books, the people are always like, oh, okay, there's vampires and witches in the world. Clearly, that's a thing. And they just kind of, within like a page and a half, they're like, oh, shock. Okay, so, you know, how can I help or how can I join? That's like the human reaction to finding out this other world existed. Uh, so Rory does the opposite. He's like, um, no, I think you're crazy. Like, that's just not true. He's just whoosh, flat wall, like nothing. So she has to really prove to him that she is a vampire, which is weird because the whole time she's been trying to hide it from him. And then when she finally comes out, he's like, uh, No. Okay, let's talk about editing for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it super serious. Yeah, super serious. So let's talk about editing for a moment because I can say as a writer, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people don't use editors because they think they've written it all correctly. So talk to us about editing and the editing process and what it means to you. Um, I 
love English and I teach English and I edit words all day long and I still need somebody else to read my words because what's in my head and what I read when I read my own words is not what's there. Uh, you need another pair of eyes on your, on your work in order to see your errors, even if you are an editor. So what was something that was really painful for you to cut? Oh, I had this whole extra scene. Um, the first time that they spend the night together, I had a scene in the morning, and then I they- I feel like this involves a lot of sex. Well, it did, and then it involved a really long discussion and conversation, because that's how I roll, and then there was a big fight, and then they made up, and then there was more sex, and I was like, oh my god, this is great, except it doesn't make any sense, and I'm just doing this because I'm enjoying watching them yell at each other and throw things. So I had to condense, and I made it all in the same night, and that was, I'm sad that that went away. So what do you think the worst mistakes writers make are? Like, like if you had to pick something that you're like, I wish writers would stop effing. I just said effing instead of fucking. But effing doing that, I can say fucking because we gave a disclaimer. No, I'm sorry, we cannot use the word fuck on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. We're so people. the worst. People will be fucking offended. They will be fucking offended by what we're saying. Yes, okay. They won't, they won't so, what is anymore. the worst um, inappropriate mistake that authors make? <laughs> I could tell you things that fucking annoy me. Um, I don't know. So the, what fucking annoys you? What fucking annoys me? Um, when you have characters who don't react the way that I expect them to. Um, like, so lack of consistency. Yeah, that a character who is no, 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 and then in three sentences is like, oh, but I love you anyway. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just spent like 20 pages of you, all of the reasons, and then in 30 seconds you just changed your mind. Okay. So okay. then... Yeah, there's me. a difference between impossible and implausible, right? So yeah. We're willing to suspend disbelief for something that's impossible, but not if something is implausible. Like, wait a minute, why didn't you just completely change your whole attitude towards something for no apparent reason? Yeah, I need the re If you're going to change, that's fine. Change happens, but I need the reasoning. I need to see that process happen. And I think a lot of times, especially in the romance that I read, it just like, boom, all of a sudden... Now I love you forever. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wait. Yeah, where did that come from? Yeah. What is the, yeah. Uh, what is the genesis of that love? Yeah, what, what is the origin? Could you start with that? Then it's love at first sight, and I just run from it from there. But don't not love at first sight me, and then try and, like, love potion in the middle. Yeah, that mm -hmm. old terminology is a little weird to me. Love at first sight. Mm -hmm. Love is not really based on sight. Well, it depends on how you define love. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's defined by sight is probably not love. That's more like, that looks real good over there. It's, it's an is instant that connection. Like, I want to be on that. I don't even know if that's lust. That's like, wow, that's pretty. It's like if I look at a waterfall, it's like, hmm, pretty waterfall. I love that waterfall because of the way it looks. I'm not sure I'm actually in love with that waterfall. Well, that's an interesting question. Can I? I feel we should ask our author. Let's discuss love and being in love well i actually wanted to ask austin a question do you think that people fall in love or is it is it something you have control over or is it something that happens to you well you know that's the classic yin yang isn't it you know is it something that just occurs it's imposed upon you from without or is it something that comes from within and i think that the impulse to be with somebody is imposed upon you so, you know, you might have a character that plausibly sees another character and is just seized with, you know, desire and lust and whatever else. But then the will to remain in a relationship that is meaningful through a story arc, you know, if you're going to have a character that 
sticks with another character through thick and thin as all kinds of you know wacky shenanigans unfold over time there needs to be an exploration of why you know the fact that you know one character is cute is not going to carry you through multiple adventures right there needs to be something going on under the surface what is it about person a that makes person b so intriguing and vice versa and there should be at least an implication there should be a you know uh, an explanation somewhere. There should be some clues, some hints as to why that's there. And, it, and you know, an author might be tempted to say, and this is why they were so happy for many years, but it's much more challenging <laughs> and much more interesting to drop clues that readers can pick up on and say, oh, I see, you know, this is a missing piece of this person's life, right? And that's that gradual change instead of, one of the things that annoys me is when you just get that paragraph like, oh, and then all of a sudden he was changed and he suddenly saw in her all the future. I'm like, well, well I need that gradually, slowly. I need actions to, to demonstrate it or um, conversations that they have, snippets of things to build that up. You can't just tell me as an author like, oh, and boom, love stick. Like, right, yeah, some reference to a, to a yearning and it's like, oh, well, you know, now I see that, you know, they, they wanted a sense of purpose. And here is a person who is filled with the, you know, drive to live a life of purpose. And well, I can see why that character would be drawn to that, you know. Mm -hmm. Something that's underneath that's going to say, all right, well, I can see why as all these various conflicts, you know, come and go, they're going to stick together. And that's how I used Lyra, Erica's character, in my story. She is the person who, who sort of narrates that, that change. Like, why, why would this elfin you know, warrior who's been alone and wandering, why would he be interested in this, in this vampire chick? Just want to point out I'm important in this book. You are. I am yeah, the we, reason we this book catalyst forward. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're very, very important. I'm very, very important. You're kind of a big deal. I'm a I'm very big deal. Mm -hmm. So I think we should, we should take a moment to really focus on where people can find these books. We can't focus on that, but I do have a question before we focus on that. Okay. You mentioned the Talesman, but besides the Talesman from Stephen King, mm -hmm. Talisman. 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 The Talisman. Talisman. Um, I have, don't have to use all of... Hussein Phonics. That's what we do in America. Um, what is your favorite romance story? Like, what romance story, whether it's encapsulated in a book or the book itself, is your favorite? And if you say Twilight, I'm lunging over this table and kill you. No. Let me get out of the way. My favorite romance. <laughs> well, two stories just pop. Can I have two? Am I allowed to? No you can have two. You're the, like, guest star of this I'm, podcast. You I'm can more, have as many I'm as More you than want. two, but these are the two that just mm -hmm. popped in. Um, I love Diana Gabaldon, and I love her Outlander series, and I love the way that Claire and Jamie get together. I think it's a realistic love story that they are thrown together, and then really the, the books are about their relationship. It's not the getting together, which is what a lot of romance novels are. It's the what happens afterwards, and that's the part that I love. Um, and then my second story is more of the romance story. Um, I love the story of Baron and Luthien, which is um, in the Silmarillion uh, uh, by Tolkien. And it's a story of love between an elven chick named Luthien, who is like wonderful and beautiful, and all the stars come out when she like dances and flowers bloom. And uh, Baron, this uh, human who sees her and falls in love and all the things he has to do to be worthy of her and how he doesn't re like rescue her, she rescues him over and over again. Yeah, I feel sad about my story based on that. I'm just going to say, 
So based on that and the degree of what I believe is shameless self-promotion, Jampcat, you need to tell us about your shameless self-promotion. Talk about yourself. Like what? Like where you find my book? We need to hear where you find you. Oh, um, I I have a I have a blog um, at I saw WordPress author J M Paquette and uh, I I'm on Facebook because I'm old and my books are on Amazon. There you go. That was the worst <laughs> shameless self promotion I've suck. ever seen. My short stories what are is in it about authors like well. In the, in the, the things Thank I wrote stuff. No, I have a bunch of short stories, and the book, the story that I couldn't remember the name of is in one of the uh, short story collections by the Inkslingers Guild. So if you just look on Amazon for Inkslingers Guild, my book, it, it, my short story is in, in one of those. Um, and I do have a second favorite, which is Memory Game. That's the title of it. And uh, it involves a, a poker game, but instead of betting money, you bet memories. That sounds interesting. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before we end up? Um, it's it's a fun game, and it's a fun game, a fun story, uh, and it stars Seth, who's a character who kind of crosses through uh, several of my short stories, and, and I have another series that I'm working on, and he's one of the main characters. What is that series called? Uh, I don't know yet, because I suck at titles, so I'll figure it out when it's all finished. So basically what you're saying is follow J.M. Paquette on <laughs> Amazon.com. Q-U-E-T-T-E. Like the hockey player. Like the hockey player. Except he's not related. Um, no relation whatsoever, so do not nail us for copyright infringement. J.M. Paquette, you can search on Amazon, and we will have, obviously, in the podcast, any and all links that we can to all of her amazing work. We want to thank you again for coming on our show. Thanks for having me and dealing with my memory lapses. That's okay. Most authors have those. Do you have anything to say as we end off, Mr. Austin Scott Collins? Just remember that any book you buy as a result of listening to this podcast is guaranteed to get you into heaven. Absolutely. So thank you again for listening. And if you want to make sure you have the eternal afterlife, please buy our books. That's good.